Well, what happened to our countdown, Josh? It is all. Who screwed that up? It's always a mystery around here. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> always fun to get things happening and everything else like that. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale. Josh Prophet, service director. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Lying by the seat of our pants as always. That's uh, that's what I we do best. Hear I myself think. in here. So you got something messed up over there, buddy? Oh, uh, what's uh, hearing me? Oh, there you go. Hey, now it's yeah. starting to sound pretty good. Anyway, hey, it's a college. There we go. 316-462-3673. Hey, anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever might be ailing your car, something you don't understand, anything in the automobile world. Love to hear from you. Love to call you. No, love you to call us with your questions. And if anything in the automobile world, anything that might be happening, whatever, love to hear from you. You get a great price package by over 130 bucks for each and every caller. And as always, Josh, what's in that great package? Uh, so we're going to mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. Uh, we use Motocraft oil and filter products here at Mel Hamilton Ford. While we're performing that, we're also going to complete a multi-point inspection on your vehicle, uh, checking out the brakes, tire, steering, suspension, all the safety-related stuff on the vehicle. Uh, you'll also receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner so you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires, so you get all the great benefits that nitrogen has to offer. And then a BG products package, which consists of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that car geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. So, All right, so let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. And uh, give you that great price package, as always. So 316-462-3673. And that comes right in the front desk. Tell the gals you want to get punched into the podcast and get your question going. So, Josh, it's uh, been an extremely, extremely hot. hot. It has. Yeah, it definitely has. Uh, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit of relief in sight coming uh, on that side of things. But, you know, the this, problem uh, with that, Josh, is that's old man winter's mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I've, uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to say it too loud, but, you know, it's, it is just starting to get dark a little earlier I in, the, that <laughs> in the evenings and stay dark a little longer in the mornings. But you know what? There's a, there's really not a whole lot we can do about the weather one way or the other. And so it's just a matter of dealing with what you got and making making things happen uh, one way or the other. So, But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I will say from, uh, from the technician side of things or the shop side of things uh, all the all the facilities are climate controlled um you know that we're still out in it you're still getting a vehicle you're still working under 200 you know 200 plus degree engine bays uh from that side of things and and it is uh it is tiring you know at the end of the day to to be in the heat and be around those environments and stuff like that but uh, i just can't imagine doing that in a non-climate controlled facility you know, if you if you got to do it, why would you not want to do it in in that facility? Uh, so, uh, I know they're grateful for it. You know, um, and we we just pick the best of what we what we got. You know, uh, when it comes to that, for sure. Yeah. Okay, I got a question coming in on the chat line from Mister Jeff Daniel. Over the air updates, my Ford Pass and truck says I'm up to date. However, if I put my VIN into Ford.com, it says I have a Sync Four and Nav. So basically, he's seeing the Ford.com is saying there's an update, but the truck says it's not. He can't find it for his truck. What I'm thinking is the two haven't synced together yet, but he is probably up to date because you can go over, Jeff, on the side in the screen there, and you can actually manually put an update in it through the dash uh, instead of doing it, try to do it through your phone or whatever. But I don't know if that's what's. That is uh, 100% ironic that uh, that he 
ask that question because that's something that I wanted to talk about. Well, let's to, talk about it today. Not uh, maybe that uh, unit as specific, but uh, you know these just the the advancements in technology in these vehicles, and it does. I don't even you know I'm not being even exclusive to Ford. But all the uh, all the communications that they have going on, uh, we've got the had a visit from uh, the FSE uh, this week. Okay, what's the FSE? So field service engineer. So basically, he is our representative from Ford Motor Company uh, when we get into a technical issue or situation that the workshop manual does not uh, do a decent job of guiding us down a certain path or getting a correction, uh, a desired correction, uh, that we need, or, you know, you get in, get into a vehicle that basically, uh, the workshop manual can't fix, uh, or technicians are having, uh, struggling getting all the proper information or all the proper, uh, programming, uh, things like that. And <clears throat> one of the things that they talked about when we went to the dealer meeting out in, uh, uh, Vegas, which, you know, thinking about it now, I'm, I, I get it. I understand it. But before uh, they brought it up, I guess I never really thought uh, about, you know, Ford Motor Company is not a module communication company. You know, they build vehicles, but yet all those parts of those vehicles, they sublet out to different vendors to, to supply them with. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, my, my thinking behind like their software and the updates and all that stuff, I kind of assumed it was them, but it's not. No. It's going out to third parties. And so we get into situations and other manufacturers get into situations, uh, you know, similarly that a vehicle will have an issue or concern and you know, it's, it's basically components that don't want to play nice in the sandbox together. Um, but it's essentially the right hand, not knowing what the left hand needs or wants or, or, uh, uh has to have to, in order to operate. And you have all these, uh, all these systems have to work together to be able to get the desired outcome come that a consumer wants so you know one manufacturer may fix something with an update or uh, uh reprogram but then it doesn't then it doesn't work well with the other modules or other subsystems and then on top of that you can get uh, uh discrepancies in corrupt data when you go to program into something and so for us as a dealer, especially from the technician side of things, if you you think about that, you know, you're you have a vehicle that is exhibiting a condition and you're trying to get it repaired and there's times where it's 100% the program that you're trying to put in the vehicle is what the is what the problem is. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the car, there's nothing wrong with any of the components on the car. Uh, just software it, updates. It doesn't work. Yeah. It's just in the software update. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's what's hard right now is it's we got so many electronics on these deals. All these computers got to work together and then trying to get a third party to put that information. And in. I mean, I, we got frustrated this summer trying to get an update for an F-150 and it took forever. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense. It just took that long to get that third party to get in there and change some little update. Yeah. Uh, I remember the very first truck we added, the we updated with the Blue Cruise. Yeah. Yep. And the truck set out here for 
I think 60 days because they were thinking it needed a dash and all this other stuff. But come to find out that when they'd done the program, they had one little code wrong in a program. It's all about binary codes, zeros and ones uh, yeah. from, from that side. And it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, th- this is something that, that Ford out there made a, made a promise that, you know, hey, we're going to take this in-house and it's going to be our uh, – you know, going to be our baby, which it really does need to be. I mean, so somebody needs to be over uh, that whole tape, the well, whole portion of it, because as a point of contention for a technician, it can be extremely frustrating. And that's where a lot of these recalls are coming from, or simply just a software update. Yeah. Because yeah. Of, of issues and things like that, too, from that part. So, anyway, Jeff, I hope that uh, what I need you to do is go in your dash and try to manually do that. Um, and okay and then he asked again can you manually update yes we can do a different update than you do we have more power i guess is what you well, want to say to update the vehicle than what you do mainly over the air well and there's <clears> certain part. and we can talk about the, the over there updates i think it's great i think it's awesome you know there was a lot of dealers that were were negative on uh over the air updates because they didn't they didn't want to take that i guess um um you know, income, I guess, by out of the dealer uh, because they wanted the consumers to have to come to the dealers uh, in order to get that, which I I think it's a great convenience for a customer to be able to uh, receive those over-the-air updates, it, you know, and they may, uh, in doing an over-the-air update, you may fix a problem before you even know it's a problem. And so your ownership experience is going to be, you know, better off, better off as opposed to... Well, I'm going to go after it like a nav update. Mm-hmm. That's an over-the-air update, in my opinion. And do they need to come to the dealer to get an AB update? I don't think so. Yeah, uh, and the you know the 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 other side of of that is on the over-the-air updates. It's it's not the whole vehicle. There's no way possible that um, that they're only going to be able to do updates that are non-intrusive. You know, you think about it because there's some of the some of the updates that that will do. I mean, it takes the vehicle out of out of service until it's complete. Or yep. the other thing is, you know, anytime it's doing an update, if it's sitting in your garage doing an update and, you know, so say it's wiped the module and getting ready to uh, load the new software and then you get in your car to take off and, and go somewhere, like it's not going to allow that update to take place uh, over the air because of the steps or the process that it has to do to the update. It basically is not going to disable the car for you as a consumer uh, to be able to use. And so it's, it's so really, not all, not all updates yeah, can get done can, over the air. Can be done that Simple way. little ones can be done over the air, but the major ones have got to come here to the dealer and let us do that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like on the 21, 22 F one fifties, we had some updates that were taking 48 hours to update those modules and things that go through that we actually have to let the truck run in the, like a hybrid set there and had key on, yeah. put a battery charger on it and uh, it took 48 hours and some, some took 24 hours to do some of them updates. So Jeff, really your answer is, is some of those simple updates. Yes, you do them over the air, but the major ones are a little more complex okay. ones are have to going to have to be done to be. by the dealer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, going out to Ford.com might tell you you have one, but Ford.com, I don't think is sinking to your car to tell you what your car has got. It's telling you there's updates out there available. But whether your car's got it or not, I'm not sure that that's going to be able to sync that back to your car or whatever. But if you go to your dash and go over the manual updates and manual update it yourself and check for updates, and it takes it and goes, and you've got everything you can get done over the air update. Uh, but uh, 
the next time you're back here in, in the big city of Wichita instead of Arkansas, <laughs> we can uh, always check those for you and see what other updates are out there and stuff too. But always keep that thing connected to Wi-Fi at all times uh, at your house uh, or even if you got wireless at your work. I would hook it up at work too. So it depends on what's going on there too, where you can get an updates. But just remember those little updates are going to be easy and go through the car, but the, the bigger ones are going to take our power of our computers and our, I'm drawing a blank on that module we have to plug into the car. It's called what again? Well, so the VCM. Is, VCM. That's yeah. what I'm losing my mind on. The VCM is another control module we have to hook to a laptop that actually communicates to the car. Uh, we used to be doing all of our stuff wirelessly, too, here at the store, but now we've realized we can't. So now every one of, about every other bay has a direct line to a wired connection uh, instead of trying to do everything wirelessly, too. So that's how much more these updates are taken to to get done. So, hey, anyway, 316-462-3673. Let's get the phones. We'd love to hear from you. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything whatsoever. Or you want to talk about these over the updates. Anything new products whatsoever. Love to hear from you. Anyway, Josh, I learned something that we talked about last week, the GTD Mustang. And what, you said what, it meant to get things done. Yeah, that's it's not no, what I it didn't is. say that. I said there was talk about that. I hear that. But that's not what it is. The GTD is an IMSA class division that that Mustang's going to run in. Okay. Against. That's where that came from. So it's an IMSA car class GTD. Now, what that GT, I guess we'd have to look that up and see what they classify that as. But that is actually the class that car is going to run in. And I'm sure it's going to run the 24 hours of Daytona and it's going to run 24 hours of Le Mans and all that yeah. kind of stuff too. So, yeah. Anyway, a lot of questions out there about that car, a lot of neat stuff out there and uh, from that part. But the uh, Heath says Grand Touring Daytona. I hope you're right, Jeff. I don't know if that's, I don't know. Did you Google that, Jeff, and make sure that's what, it, what the GTD series of IMSA stands for? Uh, like to know that for sure if that is what that is or whatever but i just know that's where it came from we had the ford guys here this week and that's what he said it comes from the imsa class gtd what uh and your delivery date was when i didn't remember delivery date yeah when when (laughs) i wish i could have one of those but when it doesn't sound like it's we're going to get one that mr petty and stuff but uh uh i'm thinking it's the numbers we keep hearing different things and stuff like that i'm hearing it's like 300 cars limited yeah so all 300, I guarantee you're sold. No one's any, oh, I, I've yeah. got calls yeah. coming right and left people wanting, wanting, wanting a car and wanting everything else. And sorry, it's not going to happen, at least not this first year. Who knows what's going to happen 26 because it's a 25 year model car. And uh, then here it comes for the uh, 26 model year. Who knows what, how many of those will make for there from that part, too. So, yeah, kind of crazy, but uh, pretty cool car. If you haven't seen it, get out there and uh, YouTube it, Google it, do whatever. But the GT Mustang, it is a pretty bad boy. Uh, would I love to have one sitting in my bubble? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But not sure how I want to. They're saying it's 300 grand, but they say you equip it up like you need to. It's going to be a 400 grand. Car. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think by the time you put the wheels and other options and things on it, they're saying it's going to be a 400,000 bar car. So, you know what? If I had 400,000, well, I'm not sure that might be somewhere else. I'd be spending my 400,000 <laughs> from that part, but I'm not sure. But uh, that's a lot of money to have sitting in a bubble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it would be fun to have. It would be fun to drive it. Well, I mean, the other side of it, if they're only going to make 300 of them, that's uh, that at that point, it's an investment. You well, know? and some of the talk, like right now, the GT that we're making, you know, they were five and six fifty and uh, a thousand, and uh, they're saying those cars are bringing a million right now if you can get one. Uh, but again, you got to own it for two years before you can sell it when you buy one of those GTs. I don't think they're going to do the same thing with the GTD or how that's going to work or whatever, but. 
they're saying that this first round of these cars is going to be close to two million dollars a car if you if you, if get you got on. one. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be worth more than a GT, and I think that's very cool. I mean, it's the same company that helped Ford make the GT as it was making the GTD, the multi-point company, which they're really a suspension company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that suspension of that car is God Almighty, crazy, crazy. Yeah, that's that's what's part of it is too. Anyway, I don't know. Jeff and Tim are kind of a little debate here. Looks like someone's got the bus out again, Josh. Uh oh. So <laughs> we'll see what happens here shortly. So. Anyway, so if you haven't seen the GTD Mustang, go check it out. 800 horsepower and uh, the Nubring, it's in the top classes of how fast it's went around there. I think it's there's only a few cars that have done it in seven minutes. And I think it got, I haven't looked all the stats up and everything else like that, but I know it's down in that seven minute range from that part. Uh, so look out, Porsche, look out. Every, and that's the thing I like everybody talking about. This is not a c- competitor to Corvette. Yeah, it's right. It's not. It's just going to kick its ass. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway, 316-462-3673. Hey, let's get the phones ringing. Love to hear from you. Anything ail in your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatsoever. Anything ail in your car, love to hear from you. 316-462-3673. So, anyway, Josh, with this high heat and everything else like that, what we can, what can we tell everybody to take care of in this heat, to watch for, to do with their cars? You know, definitely uh, seen a lot of battery failures in the heat. Everybody thinks that the, that the cold weather is hard on them, and it is. It really is. The cold weather is hard on a battery uh, for intents of starting it cold, you know, when, it, when the battery's cold and you got the, uh, and if the, if the acidity level in the battery is, is low, uh, that's the other thing, you know, you can have a battery that will actually freeze. Um, but the, the heat is equally as hard. You get the, the engine bay temperatures, as well as the exterior temperatures of a vehicle. And we've had a lot of batteries, uh, seen a lot of batteries here, um, fail here this, this last week, the other side of it is tires. Uh, you know, if, a, if a tire is low, uh, for each pound that it's low, it just raises the temperature, the operating temperature of that tire. And then you got the, again, the heat of the asphalt, uh, that the tires driving on and stuff like that. And so tire pressures, I think is huge this time of year. Uh, a lot of people really don't don't think that or put that put that together, and then tire uh, pressure. Let's go back yeah. up to that for a minute because running out there today, a normal tire temperature is probably 125, somewhere 150 degrees, depending on what you're running, how you're doing, how much weight you got in your car, all that kind of stuff. Just start lowering that air pressure down, and that temperature starts to climb in that tire. And I can't tell you how many tires I've seen just on 235 of people shredded because they let that tire run low. Everybody says, I had a blowout. No, you didn't have a blowout. You had a low tire. It got hot. It overheated the sidewall and away you went. So even if your car says takes 35 pounds of pressure, what they need, that's kind of the normal average anymore. I don't know if that's still the normal 35 with everything that's different. But And you let that pressure get to 35, 30 pounds, just five pounds of pressure. That not, doesn't seem like that much, but that temperature can increase enough. And if you've got a C temperature rated tire on your car, it probably can't handle that extra heat, especially the heat the asphalt is or concrete you're driving on so if it's 110 out degrees i mean what is asphalt 140 yeah 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 there's a i don't know it holds that heat like crazy so that's why i love the tire pressure monitoring systems on our cars i love today that we can see the actual pressures of each individual tires you can see what your pressures are instead of having i mean my days carry a tire gauge in his car all the time (laughs) and it's something that you checked every time you know where you left where you you went to fuel yeah for you got fuel if you went on a trip whatever you were checking tires 
And uh, remember there being air, you know, pretty much air in the island of the service station right there by the. Oh yeah. Uh, by the. Just take the hoses off every night, can. take them yep. in, and yeah, because it did. We had to air up a lot of tires because back then the tires leaked a lot compared to what they leak today. Well, and then too, like I don't know, it, way bigger tires as far as the the amount of sidewall, and you could tell yeah. a lot more on a visible aspect of a tire, whether it was low or not. And now with these lower profile tires and the stiffer sidewalls and stuff. I still like that, remember yeah. when we first come out, we had the bias ply tires. This is way back. I won't date myself for a little bit. And we had come out with the radial tires and that's when they had the kind of the bulge around them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of being stand up, stand up straight or whatever. And my dad had just put a brand new set of radials on his car. And there's two of us, two cars of us headed. I mean, where heck we were going. But I bet we stopped four times. We thought my dad had a, had a tire going down. Had a and it did because yeah. of how different it looked. But today, like you said, Josh, with these low-profile tires, I mean, it's like the tire looks like it's fine. There's no issues whatsoever. But guess what? If you don't have a tire pressure monitoring system and you don't look at that thing every now and then, or if that light comes on, I still remember people going, like, hey, I just need to get that light turned off. Yeah, we'd for, you're right. We can get it turned off, but the first thing we need to do is figure out why that tire is low. Check out where yeah. it's going. Check tires. <laughs> Check out the tires. And the other thing I like about that, too, is, for example, if the tire light does come on and you got four tires on there that all say the same pressure, but they're low, guess what? It Probably all of them leak down. But if you got three of them that are 35 and one's at 28, guess what? You know you got a problem. Yeah, there's, there's, that tire's got a nail in it. It's leaking air somewhere. So you know that you've got a, a, a way to figure it out to know. I just, I mean, again, like in, when I'm going to jump in a race here and head to Dodge City, what's going to be on my dash is my tires on the trailer to know that it's okay. Now, what's really cool now, Josh, with these new trucks, I don't get just to see the temperature. I, I Pressure, I get to see the temperature of the tire, too. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. So, tire pressures are crucial. Um, and next thing is, every time you get your car serviced, make sure you ask if they blow tested your battery. Not low test, but check your battery. And what is the cold cranking of the battery? We do that every time here. And you can watch your battery getting low and know when it's time instead of waiting for it to fail, get it when it's fixed. So, so we've talked about tires. We've talked about the batteries. batteries. You know, the next thing is obviously, or well, not next thing, but one of the other things on the list is just air conditioning. You know, have, have you serviced your air conditioning system? Uh, it's, it's working crazy <laughs> in this heat, but air conditioning systems and cabin air filters, you know, to be able to, that's something that I think a lot of consumers don't really think of or, or know, even if their car has them or not, it's getting a, a lot more, uh, you see a lot more manufacturers that are in, putting them in cars and it's getting a lot more common that they are in there, but, uh, there's nothing like, uh, one that somebody is, didn't know that they had and it's in there and has a, a low airflow issue. And then you pull the cabin air filter out and it is just covered and stuff uh, everywhere. Just, I mean, the driving conditions and stuff that, that we have around here and the dust and debris that's flying through the air, it doesn't take very long at all for one of those things to get plugged up. No, I agree with you there too, Josh. You know, just like I said, service in your AC, a lot of people don't realize that's what you need to do because there's oil in that AC system to lubricate it. Just like that cabin air filter. I mean, to me, I'm breathing that air coming through there. I think we the normal recommendation is once a year. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be taking it every six months and putting a new one in it. Tell me how much I drove. I guess I'd be another different yeah. ball game. How many miles I've got it out on the road or whatever too. But uh, that cabin air filter, I wish every car had one. I think it's a great thing to help keep things clean and everything else like that from that part. Well, I think of it from the aspect of that. I mean, it's the very first thing that the air passes through, and so if it's on that filter, then it's not on my evaporator. Or it's not in go. my ducts, or it's not in not breathing. You know, it. yeah, I'm not breathing it. Uh, and 
you know, I think of more, more the plugging up an evaporator than I do the, uh, clean air, you know, side of things is that because to replace an evaporator in a, in a vehicle, I mean, you're pulling the dash out of the car and that can be a very, very expensive. expensive deal. Uh, you know, I was talking about that. There's only one vehicle I've ever seen years ago that had a very easy way of pulling a, a, a heater core out of it. And it was an F-150. They actually had a door on there. You could pull two hoses off, pull four bolts and a heater core was coming out. Didn't have to yeah. pull the dash or anything, but there's not a man there's nobody's car today that has that yeah. situation anymore. There was a Chevrolet did it for, for just a little bit. They had a, the cow that you remove from the engine side of the firewall, you took, you know, yeah. a couple, a uh, couple of bolts out around it. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the yeah. list of those is very few. Not that, today. That the evaporators, it's but like it's Rex also says, eight hours to change a heater core. And that's no kidding. Sometimes yeah. longer depends on where you're at too. So eight hours and a five gallon bucket of screws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you got dash rattles. As you can put it well, back together. That's a, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's another thing. Service in your AC keeping that cabin air filter clean and everything in there for you too. But I'm going to go one, one other that Josh fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk a lot of, we've had several calls and different things of talking about fuel and all that kind of stuff. And remember whatever's on your fuel cap, that's all you need to put in there for octane rating. What's on the side of your fuel cap. Now I'm noticing Josh, some of these manufacturers aren't even putting anything on them anymore. So that's kind of tough too, to know exactly what fuel to put in your car and all that kind of stuff too. But just don't put any more octane in it than it actually needs. Uh, from that part. Now I'm going to throw another thing out there too, is remember this, that your fuel pump is running in that fuel tank and it's an electric motor that makes up heat. It has to make, it's got to get heat. So running the fuel tank low, especially in these hot temperatures is even so detrimental on that fuel pump and so hard on it. Uh, it's just like anytime I'm, if you can keep that thing at a half a tank or fuller, that's what you need to do to keep that fuel pump submerged in that fuel. Cause that fuel's cool. It's not as hot as everything else is out there, stuff like that. But that fuel pump is turning. I mean, you know, back in my day, five, six, seven pounds of pressure on a carburetor was good, great fuel pressure. Today, we've yeah, got 40, you're, 50, yeah, 60, you're, yeah. not even close yeah. to what these these fuel injection systems need now to run those fuel injectors. Well, nobody thinks of, uh, I mean, it's no different. It's, it's really all fluids, but nobody thinks of a fluid as a, uh, as a, as a coolant, they always think of it yep. as a lubrication. And that's really the, their secondary job is to lubricate stuff, you know? Um, but, yep. uh, yeah, especially when it comes to fuel, you don't think of gasoline being a agent to cool a hot component. <laughs> no, you don't. You really don't. Uh, from, from that side. But I mean, it's no different oil and transmission fluid and brake fluid. And it's the, that's job of that fluid is to take the heat from the components that it surrounds and, remove it it out you know uh and the more that fluid breaks down then the less temperature that it can take to break the fluid down even further and that's where good clean quality fluid makes all the difference in the world in the life of of those components yeah and that's the next thing is is everybody realize that your engine oil cools your engine more than the coolant cools your oil your coolant is in there to cool your oils basically what that amounts to from that part but your oil is what's moving through there and if you let your oil sludge up a little bit or develop the carbon deposits everything in your in these passages of deal you slow down the amount of oil running through there the amount of oil that can flow through there and uh crucial i mean it's crucial that's why um that bg gdi service of going in there to clean everything up and all that kind of stuff we talked about doing it on the race car the other day jake oh really me and jake were back there and of course you know we we change the oil in the race car more often than anybody what they say you're supposed to naturally but and the oil does come out super clean so yeah. jake's saying well why wouldn't you do it? oil's clean 
uh, if the oil's coming out black or whatever, and then Jake's out, you know, maybe we need to do a GDI to it. But I kind of disagree. You don't know what carbon's being built up around the rings. So, so my, I guess my component or argument to that is that the, it, that stuff is going to build up when the oil is the hottest. Yep. You know, and so by the time it cools down and, and drains down and the, the sludge or buildup is going to be stuck to those components because they were hot. So almost like baked onto the component. And so when you do a GDI, you're almost washing that, washing that component. Yep. So I agree. I think, I still think there's stuff being built on the backside of the rings. So then Alan was back here talking to us about it. We talked about the induction service on it. Whether that needs to be done or not. When I pull the carburetor off and look down in the intake, of course we're running alcohol, so it's a different deal, but the intake is super clean. Yeah. From that part where normal carbureted gas engines, I mean, the fuel injected engines won't be that way. Why we need to do an induction service, but I don't know what that would do to the top of the pistons or clean it or whatever. The only way we'd know is put a boroscope down and look, see what it looks like, run an injection service through it and then see what it looks like after the fact. You know, burning alcohol, you're obviously, excuse me, obviously running quite a bit cleaner. Fluid. Yeah, fluid. I mean, not fluid, fuel. Because it's clear. Through it, but... I don't, I don't know that you would hurt anything for sure. You know, the next thing I really want to know, and I don't know how we'd ever find that out is, is does that engine have the low tension rings in it? I think it does, but I don't know. You, you can't tear one apart because it's sealed. They won't let you tear it oh, apart. Oh, that's right. I forgot. So I, I've had to tear engine. one. Once we got a fly flying around here, that'd be crazy. <laughs> anyway, you were swinging at me. So now that thing flies jacking around here. So anyway, but we do, I'd love to tear one of them down, just see what's inside of it and everything else like that. But so, you know, yeah. we're racing IMCA guys and it's, so, a, it's yeah, a sealed motor. With that being a great motor, it surely, I bet it does have low tension rings in it. I don't know. Good question. Yeah. Good question. So anyway, it's a sealed motor. They put seals in it so you can't open it up, can't mess with it or whatever. So basically everybody's running the same horsepower, same motor, same everything, make the class more competitive and that sort of thing too. So I don't know. I've talked to Buddy and Tanner about it. And I, one of these motors, the two motors we got, one of them's getting a little tired. So maybe at the end of the season, we we'll to open one up. Just look at it. Who knows? The tired one. Get, yeah. Get the tired one out and just tear it apart. Can't hurt. Right. So anyway, we're still talking about keeping your engines cool, keep things safe. We went through coolant, we went through oil, we went through fuel, we went through tires, we went through AC, we talked about batteries. And what it really sums up to is every time you get your car service, if you bring it to us, those things are going to get checked with the multi-point inspection to make sure how things are going and everything else in that part. So like I said, we used to do this multi-point inspection as we filled our cars up every two to 300 miles back in the day. Now we're going 5,000 miles. So please. Well, hopefully we're going 5,000 miles. (laughs) In in some cases, you, I think we get so fast paced going. We don't realize this. I just talked to a guy last night on the phone. He says, Hey, Philly said, don't chew me out. I go, he goes, well, my sticker up here in my windshield says I need to change my oil at 65,000. I got 68 on. I said, Oh, come on. I said, you deserve a butt chewing for that. The sticker's right there in front of you. He said, I know, but man, I had to go here. I had to go there. I said, I get it. I get it. But just think about, and that's a, you know, 60,000 60, mile car. You know, how many other oil services have we missed or whatever? He's in detrimental need of a GDI oil service for sure. 3,000, he's went 8,000 miles on that oil change. And I promise you, everybody talks about these synthetic oils, all that kind of stuff. It's not that the oil's not lubricating. You cannot have a filter that's keeping that stuff out of there, and you cannot get rid of the deposits and stuff like that. And remember, when you put a full synthetic oil in your car, you're just doing a better job of lubricating. It's getting the oil there quicker when you start the car, but it does not, does not increase 
your oil life service. It doesn't take it to 10,000 or 15,000 miles. It doesn't happen. The filters can't do it. What, uh, you know, at least that guy left his sticker in there and didn't just pull it out and wait for the light to come on. So I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him, uh, we can have all, that. <laughs> yeah, we can have all kinds of debates about those oil lights and all that kind of stuff too. And if you, if you want to run an oil life monitor and change it when that light's on, you're really, really, really taking so much life out of your car. So if I got somebody that does, like I talked to a guy the other day and he was talking about running the oil life monitor, I said, change it when it gets to 50%. Because I promise you, you're oh, going to be you're right, right where yeah. you're at. Change it at 50. Don't wait till it gets to zero or 20 or 10 or whatever. Because by that time, that filter is so clogged up. That oil is so carboned up. It's so sludged up. It's, it's, these manufacturers, I'd, I'd like to wring their necks for putting those oil off. Put them on it. I get it. But don't make it to where it's so long and, tur- and everything else from that part. I know the oils are better than they used to be years ago. But damn it, these engines are so expensive and so hard. Yeah. And it's a cheap service to keep good, clean oil in there. It's like taking bath in a dirty bath water, right? What are you getting? What are you gaining? So, doesn't sound any fun to me. I don't know that I would. No, nope. like old for Fram commercial said years ago pay me now or pay me later. All right. Hey, let's get the phones ringing. 316 462 3673. Anything alien car, tires, brakes, batteries. You want to talk about anything in the automobile world, new products, anything? Love to hear from you. 316. 462-3673. So what do we got left for racing? Um we're getting are we getting close? We're getting there. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We are uh headed to Dodge City today. Not sure that uh, depending on some of the schedules and things around that this might be the points championship race tonight. We'll see how things roll out. Uh then we're gonna head to Boone next Saturday and we'll be up there for a week for the Boone National. We're in the prelude race next Saturday, which is kind of a practice race for us to get ready to go see how the car is going to be and all that kind of stuff i just hope we have some better luck than what we did last year so we're going to find out so that was yeah so after that then there's a few races after that but basically we're going to be done at the end of september yeah racing from that same point and everything else too got a big wedding coming up at the first of october so then after that everything's kind of done and we'll get planning up for next year and uh and uh, we'll see uh I hate to bring it up, but there's a lot of uh, excitement going on at Salina Speedway. We'll have to see how that shakes out and everything else, too. And uh, from that part, what's going to happen there. So, uh, and then uh, what's, uh, what's the plan in the off season? I don't know. We've been talking a lot about that, too, what we're going to do with the, with the two cars and stuff. The, one, the new car really hasn't had many races on it, so it really doesn't need much. Jake wants to take the old car back down again completely and restart over again. And I'm thinking I just want to set her off to the side and let her set her that's, to be a backup that's car. Been, is what uh, I really yeah, that's been been done quite a few times, hasn't it? <laughs> no, that car, yeah, that car been done several times. What's uh how many years? How many years that car is built? 15? 16. 16? 16 yeah, is still yeah. running, still winning races. A girl won't die. I don't know what <laughs> what it is about that old thing, but I don't think it won't die for sure. Hey, got a question here too from Brian. Hey man, just curious. I know the oil change universe used to be 3K. Yeah, Brian, they used to be, and uh, it was a hard deal for me to change to go to the 5,000 by far. And now my new one's 7,500, but it keeps putting 3K on my sticker. Should I still do 3K? Well, not, who's doing your 3K sticker? So it must not be us because we're doing 5,000 mile intervals here, Brian. Uh, if you run, if there is, if you can get a conventional oil out there today, yeah, 3,000 miles will still live, but you. That's what. Uh, so I would. First of all, I want to know what oil they're putting in it because if yeah. they're if they're using conventional oil in that thing, you, you got to stop. Yeah, that's that. that that's You're not, not good. That's not good for your car. You need at least a multi synthetic blend oil in these newer engines and stuff too, Brian. Now maybe you're dealing with an older car or something too. I don't know, but I still would not even be putting a conventional oil in anything today. Anybody yeah. that's making that oil, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot cheaper oil. I get that and that sort of thing, but I would not be. I'd be at least a multi blend synthetic. <laughs> Uh, 
my rule of choice is if you can spend just a couple more dollars and spend and get a full synthetic, I would do it in a heartbeat. I think the oils are so much better. They lubricate better. But the biggest thing it does is when that engine is cold, that's when you're most wary is when you start it. And then full synthetics get there so much faster and so much better in those places so quickly. It's unbelievable. But so if they're still putting 3K on it, Brian, I need to figure out what oil they're putting in it for yeah. sure. Okay, I was told the oil wasn't the issue. It was more of getting your car in front of your tech at 3,000 miles and look at everything else. Well, I get that too. I get, but uh, I think today it was hard for me to switch from because I was born and raised on a 3,000 mile oil change interval. Uh, then after I saw all the tests and stuff with the oils and all that kind of stuff, that's when I got to move it to the 5,000 miles. But I will tell you, I the 5,000 mile interval with today's engines and that kind of stuff, I think is perfect. I don't think 6,000, I don't think 7,500, and I don't think 10,000 miles is the way to go at all. Yeah. I think that's way too long uh, to get that oil out of there. There's there's no better. In- it's very cheap insurance. Exactly. Very cheap insurance. To change that stuff at 5,000. And, you know, years ago with the full synthetics, when it was full synthetics used to be really expensive. And uh, what I told everybody back then is now that the, Full synthetics come back down in a, in a reasonable price. That's the way to go, in my opinion. But back in the day, I said, I would change my oil. Instead of spending the money on a full synthetic, I would change my oil at 2500 Yeah, I'd be money ahead. But now, today, that's not the case. These full synthetics are more predominant. They're more out there. And uh, if and that's what I would run a full synthetic, a major brand full synthetic, not a off-brand or, or anything else like that, but a good brand, name brand oil that's been out there for years. Uh, a full synthetic is what I'd be putting in my car. Okay. Josh was doing some reading, upgrading intercooler blow off and airbox. Does that help performance anymore with computers? This was a Whipple kit. Does it avoid my warning? Says it increases 60 to 90 horsepower. Okay. So there, there's a lot of kits out there. You know, so this is like a kind of a hypertech years ago. And so, yeah, there are upgraded components or putting a, like a can and air filter in a vehicle and a, a tune. Uh, it does make a difference, but if you, anytime you increase the intake side of things, you got to increase the exhaust side of things. Um, yep. And so, uh, but in this particular situation on an intercooler and a blow off, uh, and, and the air box, um, but, and there's a tune that would go with that as well. Um, and it, it would avoid the warranty on the components that, that, you know, that, that touched yes. or affected. So your engine affected. Would, it would affect your engine warranty. Yes. Could even if you get real crucial, it could affect your transmission, could affect your transfer case, could affect your differential too. And, and the reason for that more than anything is the tune, you know, uh, and this is definitely more prominent and you see it a lot more in, in diesels, uh, that guys that want to take off the emissions, uh, DEF system. Uh, and the main reason for that is that's a, that's a federally mandated thing. So it's gotta be on there. So there is no, um, there is no reputable company out there that can sell a tune to delete a DEF system. He must go faster than a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> and since there's no reputable company out there to be able to stand behind that, I mean, they don't have to stand behind the tune. So if they change your fueling strategy or whatever, and and it long-term is detrimental to that engine, like that's, that's yeah. 100% on you. 
you you decided to put that tune in there now in his in this situation i'm sure you know there's knn or hypertech or uh whipple or whoever uh and they've done a lot of research and development for it with it and is it going to hurt something long-term no probably not but here's here's my thing or my biggest uh contention with that is that if the manufacturer could change something and get 10 more horsepower or 15 more horsepower out of something and it not affect anything long term why would they they would do it yep yeah if they would if they would you get more out of the probably the tune strategy than any of those other components, honestly. And what they're doing, they're you doing, know. they're injecting more fuel, but they're mm-hmm. also increasing your timing and everything mm-hmm. else. And when that spark hits and all that kind of stuff too, and you're just putting extra stress on things that doesn't need to be there. Now here, I'm going to give you the best example is my GT 500. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of forms out there when that car come out in 2020 and, and, uh, Jake was all reading those forms and stuff like that. He said, dad, you got to take your airbox lid off. It'll make all the difference in the world. I remember back in the days, we'd take an air cleaner and flip it over on the yeah. carburetor cars, and it sounded so much cooler and everything else like that. Was it really making us go faster? But it sounded better. It sounded better, <laughs> but it's not. It's the same thing on a cold air inbox. Like you said, Josh, you can put it in there, but if you can't push it out any faster, you have gained zero out the exhaust from that part. So we put my GT500 on the dyno at BG Products here a year ago. And so I did. I said, okay, let's do it one more time, and let's take the air box lid off. And I remember this to the T. It changed it. I was putting 600 and well, I can't remember my exact numbers, but 650 horsepower to the ground from 760 to the motor. So it's about where it needed to be. 650, I think is what it was. We took the air cleaner box lid off, rented it again, and it went up four horsepower. So it just shows you. Did it sound different? Yeah, it sounded totally different because you could hear the air going into the into the intake, but it didn't change a thing because it basically didn't change anything else of the air. It maybe restricted the air a little bit easier to get in, but it sure didn't help it get pushed out the exhaust from that part. So well, and then the other thing, like to horsepower in the seat of the pants, you gotta be, yeah, you you gotta feel be 50, that. 30, 30, 40, 50 plus in order to be able to see to, to feel, to feel that seat, horsepower gain or whatever. It's it's a hundred percent the sound thing is what is yeah. what you notice more than anything. So Jeff, when you say you want to go faster, and I know there's a limit on how fast that expedition will go, is there programs out there that'll blow off that top end speed deal? Sure. Yeah, they're they're out there too. But there's only one fear about that for me. Well, I want to go fast. Don't kid yourself. You know where I'm heading, Josh? Well, speed rating your tires. tires. What speed rating is your tires and what speed can it handle those at that speed? That's the next crucial thing when you start eliminating those high-end speed deals uh, of where how fast you want to go or whatever, too. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Delbert. Delbert, you're live with Under the Hood. Good morning, gentlemen. How Uh, are you? Great day in the neighborhood today. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Twenty-seven hundred dollars poorer, but my car's working fine. <laughs> so you got a flywheel uh, taken care of? Yes, sir. It was actually, you know, wasn't broken all the way, but it was definitely the problem, no doubt. <laughs> well, twenty-seven hundred bucks for a flywheel, not too bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, the flywheel was only two hundred ten dollars. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the rest of it was labor, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Twenty-two hundred dollars in labor, roughly. Yeah. They did a couple other things for me, so um, you know maybe maybe I would have done better on on the price, but I wish I could have brought it up there. Just wasn't sure it would make it, you know. Yeah, you know, probably wouldn't have take a chance getting stranded on the road. With that. yeah. That's not a safe thing to do to try to get that. That's for sure. <laughs> I agree. That's for sure. Not a safe I agree. Thing. I haven't noticed any power change. I think I don't think it was bad enough that it would have broke now, but you know, not knowing 
in advance, it's like, yeah, let's not take the chance. But no, because probably you guys hit the nail the, on the head as well. If that thing would have broke while you were driving, I hate to guess how much damage that would have done if that with that metal flying around or whatever would have happened to you. Really, a lot of centrifugal force there at you know RPMs or yeah, you might have been putting the whole transmission or you could be Especially putting an engine. highway speeds. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been crazy what that thing could have done and done damage to you and everything else too. So totally get it. But I don't say Josh. But yeah, don't my advice it. to people out there today. Yeah, my advice to people out there today is to go ahead and if they hear a noise they're not used to hearing out of their engine, get it checked out. Go to Mel Hamilton, let them check it out. They'll get you taken care of. Get you taken care of well. So there's that. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, I don't know. I, I was getting my hair cut, so I don't know what you guys are talking about other than speed rating and my tires won't will do more than my car <laughs> <laughs> the car won't do more than your tires yeah i get that too. yeah i think i've had it as high as 100 miles per hour but it didn't feel like it was going to go much faster than that even though the speedometer says 160 i don't think it'll ever do it <laughs> but you know you really think about it how safe are you faster than 100 and why would you need to go 100 in normal day i mean i don't know i know yeah. i get it but i'm just saying i don't I get nervous at 90 anymore, you know? <laughs> Not me. Of course, I was never a race car driver like you, Phil, but... Not me. You know, as I said, you you're, you like that, Steve. I was never into that position where I could actually... Driver, I don't know that I. I don't know. I don't know that I like that speed. I think I love that speed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So yep, speed rating on tires is very important. Yep. And uh, so now Jeff Just trying to get back on the subject. I yeah. don't even know what you were talking about. <laughs> Jeff wants the GT 500 expedition. Jeff, that's never going to happen, buddy. I promise you that. But we can oh. sure get you fixed up with something like that. Uh, a GT 500. Yeah, I wish expedition. they would have talked about the hybrid uh, editions. But yeah, like we talked last week, hybrids are kind of getting to where they're getting too many of them out there and they can't provide enough uh, batteries and things to make them. So. Um, we're just going to have to wait for those hybrid sport Broncos to come out. Well, and I, a couple of years, hopefully. I don't know when that's going to come out. Cause when we were at the Ford meeting, they didn't even bring up the Bronco sport hybrid. That's another thing too. They didn't even bring it up. So I don't know how far out that really is or whatever. Do I think that's a great idea? Yeah, I do. I think hybrids is our better way of going. Uh, but I will tell you something that come to my I mind. Mean, Go ahead. Something that came to light this week when I was talking, we had the Ford people here and stuff like that going over different numbers and, and, uh, our inventory numbers and all that kind of stuff. And we started talking about the EVs and everything else too. And something that I didn't realize, and we have to think about this for a minute. Our best selling vehicle in the country is the F-150 for like 44 years, but it's yes. a best selling, it's a best selling truck for 47 years. And if everybody wants to keep driving wow. an F-150, which we all, all these hundreds of thousands of people that are driving F-150s, we want to continue to drive an F-150. We have got to, have an EV to get there or these the cafe ratings. So for an example, every mock E that Ford produces, that's able to let them make four more F-150s. So we're all going to have to dive into this to help all of them. It's not just Ford. It's every manufacturer that has to hit these cafe ratings. But so for every mock E or every lightning that, that Ford sells, that lets them build another four F-150s to, to help hit that cafe rating. So every time we don't sell one, guess what? That takes four F-150s away. So if we all want to keep buying F-150s and buying these trucks that we really like to drive, 
we've all going to have to do something to try to help Ford and help Chevrolet and help Toyota and everybody else hit these cafe ratings. But so that, that really changed the light of me a little bit yeah. too is, so if I sell a Mach-E, then I can sell four more F-150s. Yeah, it's, it, that's awesome. And uh, I wish I could buy an F-150, but. Uh, we had you down for the Mach-E, Delbert. You know, I did love it when I drove your guys' black one you had when you first got them. That thing was awesome. Okay, see? There you go. I just, and yeah, it was, huh? it, it was amazing car. My problem is, this, is the mileage. Is the, mileage, the range. The mileage. The range, yeah. yeah. So, how many miles so, do you drive a day? Well, I don't drive any more than anybody else, even not doing this. At most, on a Saturday, would be my biggest day at maybe two hundred fifty miles. Yeah. So it would it would actually work. It really would. But um, I just don't know that I'm willing to part with my gas. Gil, <laughs> <laughs> but I get what you're saying. I really do. Uh, from that part, but there is situations. It's for example, I drove that lightning for 2000 miles driving back and forth to work. And I just plugged in here at work every day. And I never had a problem other than one day when I tried to go to Hutch when it was super cold and I didn't have a full charge, but I think we're going to get the technology better. The range is going to get better. And I think the Mach E's now, if you get the extended battery range, I think they're at three. Yeah. That's what I want to say three twenty. So you would have enough room to do the two. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from that part. And then the next thing is that. And it, is getting a charger in your house just so you have a 220 charger yeah, at your house to, to charge it to charge it overnight instead of waiting because if you do a yeah, one and i don't have that capability as as a renter i don't have that capability to add that so um unless i could talk the owner to let me add it and i'm sure if i spent the money he'd let me do it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no i get that too so that's the only thing else too is is the charger and that sort of thing too but uh so i want to keep have an F one fifties forever to drive. I but even at, but even at one ten, it still only takes about ten hours to charge it. Hold on, it. No, it takes longer than that. From about sixty percent, does it take? Yeah, if you're at fifty percent, it would probably take you ten hours to get it back up. If you're at fifty percent, probably. Yeah, on the hundred and ten, but the one ten is very slow. You know, like like on a Friday night when I quit around ten o'clock and I don't start till the next day about noon. You know, that'd be plenty of time for it to charge fully. So it would really work in the way I do it. I know some guys get up early in the morning, do their rides, but I like to do them in the evenings, afternoon, evenings. So, yeah. But they're great cars, but I think the hybrid for me would be the best option just because, hey, what happens if the battery dies? Guess what? I still, still go. Gas. Yeah. <laughs> I still go. Yeah, I get it. But, and I, and I get, everybody's right. got that. That's my whole thing about this. Is there <laughs> several people that an EV will work for? Yeah. Are there some people an EV won't work for? I agree 100%. And, you know, we always talk about this infrastructure and everything else from that part. I mean, the technology is in these cars, too, that can tell you where the charges are at, how long it takes you to drive there, how long you got to set there, and all, all that kind of different things to go into that equation. But uh, an EV is not for everybody. I get it. Just like an F-150 is not for everybody, you know, from that yeah. part. So I think it's a niche thing right now. I think it's going to grow into that. But I tell you, I have ever since I heard that stat, every, every EV we build, it gets us build four more F-150s. That changed my whole little thinking there a little bit. I think I want to sell some more F one fifties, and I want people to drive it because that's what, that's what, yeah, everybody, that's likes what to drive. everybody wants from that part. So yeah, and and even the Lightning for those that just use it for commuting is perfect. I mean, as long as you're not using it for heavy uh, loads, you'd be fine with the Lightning, honestly. You know, Daryl. Uh, you know, Daryl. But I'm going to bring that up for a minute too. Everybody talks about how that when you pull something with the Lightning, the, the range drops in half. Well, what do you expect it's going to do? What happens to your fuel economy of a, of a gas truck? It drops in half too. So, I mean, so that's where I, I yes, guess, I, you yeah. know, Sam, so everybody wants to, thinks that range is going to stay the same when you're towing something. 
Well, your range doesn't say the same when you're towing something with a gas motor either. I mean, so that's my whole no, thing. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Now, I did tow my boat with well, a Well, unless, unless you own a, a 90s model, 90, roughly 90 to 2000 model Dodge Ram 1500, and then your gas mileage was always 15 miles a gallon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> no matter what you did, yeah. I, I towed a, a 65 Galaxy four-door from Iowa to Wichita with my 97 I had. And we drove up there with the trailer, and we got 15 mile a gallon. We drove back up with the trailer, got 14.9 mile a gallon. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I say everybody give, it didn't change. Yeah, everybody wants to knock the uh, lightning down because the, the mileage went to crap when they towed with something. Well, what do you expect it going to do? <laughs> going to increase? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you get the extended range, and uh, you plan out your trip. Way you go long distance. Yep, and you know they, you know, I, I know when we stop to go to use the restroom on the highway or something, you know, it's usually 20, 30 minutes anyway. Yeah, just because you know you got the wife, the kids, everybody's got to do their thing. And speaking of the kid, I got somebody who wants to say hi. He's driving me crazy over here. Hi. <laughs> Hello. How are you? <laughs> That's my grandson Parker. Hi, Parker. <laughs> he loves listening to you guys too. Very good. Hi. <laughs> Very cool. But yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been great. Uh, trying to get him involved in some of this car stuff, but he's still kind of too young to really enjoy it. So we're working on him. Well, keep working. Yeah. <laughs> keep working. I have He'll to bring come. him up there to Phil and show him how, show him how to really drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Because I can reach the pedals. <laughs> I can reach the pedals. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know how it is. You can reach those. You can drive anything. That's right? uh, something yeah. like that, right? <laughs> That's like they didn't start racing until they made the second car. <laughs> yeah, that's no oh, kidding, too. I don't know if you have another car or not, but if you do, I'll let you go so you guys can get back at the show. We're get about, close to, yeah, we're about don't out of, forget the sponsors. Yeah, yeah we're about out don't of time. The sponsors. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for the call, Delbrook. If you guys are on YouTube, if you guys are on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, get this guys, these guys out there. Once they get over a 1,000, they can be monetized. And once they start getting monetized, maybe they can get more more um, viewers and get more uh, money coming in so they can do more with the channel. And get more likes. There you go. Get more likes. Exactly right. <laughs> Perfect. Well, well you guys have fun out driving around today, Daryl. And uh, have fun driving. And I'm sure you're going out driving tonight. So have fun doing that. Keep safe. And yeah, I love, my, I love my car again. <laughs> Glad you got it all fixed up and ready to go, buddy. Me too, bud. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 Okay, Josh, it is time to fly out of here. Already time flies up when you're having fun, everything else like that, too. You're right. Don't forget our sponsors, which we've talked a lot about BG today and everything that mm -hmm. they do for us and everything they help us with. Uh, keep your car running many, many more miles. And uh, like I told you, the Ford guys were here this week and we talked about their different things. And that's why I told them, I said, you know, it's not snake on a can. It's good products. It's going to help your car run many, many more miles and uh, keep their performance where it needs to be. I mean, there's so many things that happen in these cars that just gradually goes away and you don't realize it. So. Anyway, Big Corner Karate for all your advertising needs. Hey, if you've got a company or you need a web page design or you need any kind of advertising from Google advertising, traditional advertising, window wraps, race car wraps, vehicle wraps, anything to advertise your company, as Jesse says, just Google us, Big Corner Karate. And uh, stay in it here, right inside here at Mount Ford. Go to rent. Great fleet of vehicles over there. And uh, Josh, it sounded like I need to get some more vehicles bought because it sounded like everything's kind of picking up a little bit and we're running yep. out of cars again. So I'm going to yep. have to get stand some more cars. But again, if you need something, uh, 12 or 15 passenger van. Give Stan a call right inside here at Mel Hamilton Ford. Josh, any closing thoughts or anything? Uh, no. 
All right, everybody, have a great Saturday. Stay hydrated, stay cool, and uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday.